Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of the Get Geek podcast. Uh, my name is Walt, and I'm joined here by Wolfie. What's okay. up, people? So today on this episode, we're going to be geeking out over a movie that Wolfie put me on that I had no idea about. I mean, I'm almost ashamed as a <laughs> Star Wars fan. As a fan or as, as a fanboy? As a fanboy, yes. So what are we reviewing again? Uh, awesome segue, fanboys. There you go. Um, so, yeah, no. Go for it. Go for it. No, Let so, people so, know what Fanboys is all about. So, Fanboys is a kind of like a movie that flew really under the radar, I feel like, for a lot of fanboys, actually, because most people that um, I know that are also uh, quote-unquote fanboys of Star Wars. Um, Me or just, being one of them. <laughs> or just fanboys in general have never heard of this movie. And I only happen to, like, have heard of this movie because of... Uh, I accidentally saw it. I was uh, living in Austin, Texas, and I went to the Alamo Draft House to go catch a movie. Tickets were sold out by the time I got there, and uh, just happened to like uh, you know switch it up and pick something else to watch, and it happened to be Fanboys. Um, so, Fanboys uh, was released in 2009. It's a PG-13 movie. It's an hour and 30 minutes long, and uh, the synopsis is that it's a uh, Basically, Star Wars fanatics take a cross-country trip to George Lucas's Skywalker Ranch so their dying friend can see a screening of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, before its release. It's directed by Kyle Newman, writers Ernest Cline did the screenplay, as well as uh, Adam F. Goldberg. And it stars Dan Fogler, Jay Baruchel, Kristen Bell, and a few other cameos that I do not want to list. Oh, my gosh. But you do not want to miss. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the cameos in this movie is what makes the movie. Now, I want to make sure that you guys understand. I do not, before we go into the spoilers, if you are a true fanboy, and Walt might get upset right now about this, but if you are a true fanboy, you're going to want to skip this portion of the podcast. Or just pause it, go watch the movie right now, and then come back before we spoil anything. So big, big, you know, red lights blaring, spoiler alert right here. Because every single little thing about the movie, including, like, the cast list and the whole nine, is crucial to the experience as a fanboy. I don't even want you to go out there and watch the trailer. Before we saw the movie, I made sure that Walt did not watch any of the trailers because the, the little glimpses of the film really really can spoil the enjoyment of it and that's really difficult for me because i'm a i'm a trailer a trailer yeah you're a trailer word i mean you know i could use a word but i don't know if it's appropriate for this podcast trailer hound there you go thank you that i think that's appropriate i mean the other word starts with the h and Oh, and all that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but this is a family podcast. Yes. That being said, uh, it's uh, while it is a PG-13 movie, there is uh, some very adult language. So please be warned if you're going to watch it with kids. Um, watch them with adultish kids. Yeah, watch with know? kids that that understand, like you know that 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 they're you know understand the responsibility of like right. certain language and kind of like new norms. I mean, this movie is 10 years old and just a decade ago is mm-hmm. a completely different era than we are for than we're in right now. So and, and I do hate to say it but it does kind of show its age even though it's 10 years ago. Um it does. It, it does. It, it's not it is not the most well polished movie, right? But 
damn it. If it's funny. It's so <laughs> you funny. Know what I'm it's it, it doesn't a... matter, you know. It, it it really looks like somebody took like a camcorder and recorded it. It 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 was it wasn't it's it like I said, it, the production values isn't right. ridiculously well, high. Well, I mean, we 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 got to consider it's like you an know indie like, film, like right? you know, t- it's I guess, but it, it's more like I mean, this is kind of like the style of comedy films 10 True. years ago, you know. True. I think that like comedy films completely changed um, as far as like scope goes I think when Superbad came out because after Superbad came out like mm-hmm. there was a big change in like how they were filmed and what content was put out there and and what was funny um, I think like it turned into uh, kind of like like after Superbad smart yet stupid at the same time became funny and like smart production and things like that like became the a thing judge apatow style yes of yes movie. The, exactly yeah, you know the, the area of judge judge apatow is like there's there's before judge and then after and this is before so, yes um but it had that judge apatow feel to it well right? it did because a um, lot of the people that are shh, okay we'll we'll stop all right there's here. there's 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 definitely some cameos that are related yes. to that whole world there, there so, it it touches upon that yeah, world. This might have actually been like the beta test for that. I feel that's like that's a good idea. You know, yeah, I feel like this movie's the beta it. test for the Jet Appetite like, like films and stuff. So, um, so, oh so, well, let me ask you. So, like, so just uh, you know, one thing that I want you that, that, that I want everybody listening to to understand is that like you don't necessarily want to go off of the reviews because Rotten Tomatoes has it currently at 22% fresh, yeah. Um, but it's a skewed number simply because just like the titles implied, this really is a movie for the fanboys. And and I feel that this is a perfect movie for Get Geek to review because yes. this is exactly the type of stuff that we're talking about. Because, because you look at this film and the Roger Eberts of the world and, yeah. and the New York Times and the L.A. Times and the Hollywood, well, maybe the Hollywood Reporter, but this is really, you got to have some inside baseball knowledge to this kind of stuff. You I know mean, what I'm saying? more to than enjoy that, you, you, this, you, you, you know? have to be on the team. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, you, you got to be, be a real, real sweaty. You know, you, know, you got to be a real fanboy. I think that, like, I mean, you can get by. You can enjoy the movie. For sure you can enjoy the movie if I think that you can enjoy the movie not being a fanboy, but just kind You'll of. miss, like, 90% understanding. of the stuff, though. Yeah, you will miss, like, 90% of the stuff. I mean, there was stuff that picked up now. We just finished watching it, basically, right before recording yeah, this. We and there, there was some stuff, like, just now that we picked up that, uh, that I didn't see, like, the few times that I saw it beforehand that was just amazing it was just it's so classic and it's are, are you <laughs> referencing the boba fett stuff uncomfortable why silence do do, why do you have to do this i don't understand where this animosity towards boba fett came from i like the some greatest boba fett. bounty hunter in the galaxy we're gonna be talking about another bounty hunter much later but um oh, god anyway yes yeah, so um, so anyway like going off of those reviews um Forgetting that, let's say Rotten Tomatoes doesn't does, is, doesn't exist and so on and so forth. Um, what uh, can you give me your little mini mini review and so, your score? Oh, we're, we're going scores now, straight yeah. up. Okay. Um, so this is a movie that I had no idea even existed, and and listen, I, I had to look up some of the history, and apparently this thing was was held back for at least a good three years. Right, right, right. You said that. There's yeah. 
there's two different versions of this movie that are completely cut in and ready to roll. And I think that's part of the reason why um, it, it I mean, took that long to release. I, I guess. I'm not 100% sure. I haven't done the research on that. But again, yeah. like I had no idea about the movie either until I saw it. You know, I, I saw it by accident. So, know, so. I, I can see where somebody who is not a Star Wars or, right. or yes. in that genre would look at this film and say, well, what's what's funny about this? You know right. what I'm saying? Right, yes, exactly. So, but a Star Wars sweaty will look at this this movie and say, my gosh, where has this been all my life? Yes, you know what yes. I'm saying? Yes, I mean, because how many times did we bust out laughing? <laughs> it, it was it was every five seconds there was a different little reference yeah. here. It, it just it kept on going and going and... You know they were they were not ashamed to throw out whatever was out there. I mean, there were certain things where it's like, you know, you probably shouldn't be using that in that particular situation, right? But you're still putting it out there anyway. Yes. You know, yes. Um, I happen to love the film, and, and like I said, and uh, you know, again, you look at the film, and it's not the highest quality film. It's not production wise. It's not. But you know what? Who cares? Because. You could tell that the actors were having fun. Yeah. And, that, and I mean, that came across yes, very easily. Like, I was actually going to tell you this. I didn't mention it, but I was like, you know what? They must have had the most fun filming this, oh my gosh. this movie. So much fun. And apparently, Lucas gave, us, gave them almost unfettered access. Yes, exactly. You know? He gave them unfettered access. There was a couple things, apparently, that he uh, said, uh, do not touch on this. Maybe some touchy subjects for him. But considering that, you know, uh, it's a movie about... Episode one, the Phantom Menace, and the whole nine, um, and uh, you know the the backlash from from all the critics in the world, right. uh, Star Wars fans being the, the the biggest critics of them all, uh, the backlash that he faced off of that. It's 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 actually kind of cool to see George Lucas not be like sour about it. He's like, yeah, sure, no no problem. Go ahead and mm-hmm. you know I know you're gonna put, poke fun here and there and stuff like that. So. Yeah, and and even the director mentioned that he was kind of afraid even yeah, approaching yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lucas and stuff, right? Um no holiday special? <laughs> no holiday special. No Boba Fett Burger King cup. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean there was there was little things here and there I'm that, gonna look up that cup actually. I wanna like, Yeah I'm curious because yeah. I don't I don't remember that either, you know? Yeah I, um, there may be a reason why we don't remember it. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, you you look at how they... So, it's basically a road trip movie. Yeah, it's a road trip movie, right? which is great. You know, I didn't realize road trip movies could be this much fun. And, and it's funny because, and you and I were talking about this before the podcast also, it's a little ironic that we're reviewing this. First of all, it's the 10-year anniversary for this movie. Right. But, but secondly, um, it kind of hits home because there is there was a similar situation where... Um, correct, correct. You know, so should we should we go into kind of like the stories about? Yeah, yeah, a little Spo- bit more spoilers. You guys have been okay. warned. Let's Spoiler. go ahead right into the story now. So, um, the movie is about a, a group of friends that have been friends forever and stuff, and they just happen to be super Star Wars nerds. Um, and so, their one of their lifelong dreams. I think they said ever since they were in first grade, right? Yeah. Was to break into the the Skywalker Ranch, and so one of the characters, the one that's played by Sam Huntington, um, he's the one guy of the group that's kind of moved on, and you know he's got a real he's, job. Yeah, he became an adult. Yeah, 
adult in, you know, quotes and stuff like that. And everybody else um, of the three friends, and there's a Christian Bell is part of that group also. Um, she's also one of the adults in the room. But the, sort of, but she's an adult. But, but she's, she's still, still a, a fanboy. She's still yes. a fanboy. You know, fangirl. Fangirl. She's a fangirl. Yes. Sorry. The other three are full-on nerds, and they still haven't grown up. Oh my god, yeah. And the other ones. But living... do you really want to? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the other ones living in the carriage house, right? <laughs> the garage. The garage. His mom's garage, but he calls it the carriage, carriage house. house man. You know. <laughs> so um, you know they're they're geeking out over Star Wars, and then. There's news that one of their friends um, has cancer. And the thing is that he will, in all likelihood, not live to see Phantom Menace. Right. Which is huge, only for the simple fact that just yesterday a, 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 a report came out that um, Disney uh, has granted this exact same wish to uh, an alien father and his son. So um, the... Uh, the father, I think Walt's pulling up the uh, article now. Yes. But the father is, is uh, you know, there was a plea on Twitter, I believe, to Disney executives to allow the father to uh, see um, uh, the uh, rise of Star uh, Star uh, Skywalker, sorry, to see the rise of uh, Skywalker uh, with his son, uh, you know, early, ahead of time, just because, you know, that in all likelihood he may not make it. Um and and it's just it's 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 unbelievably like it's just weird that it's the 10th anniversary of the movie mm-hmm. that I happened to just bring up this movie just this past week. Yeah, it was yesterday, know? wasn't it? Or, no, it was a couple days ago. But still, ago, like it was yeah. like, hey man, you should check out this movie. You, mm-hmm. know, you know, if you've never heard of it, you have to see it. Like it's just it's weird how the universe works. You know what I mean? But it's amazing to hear that uh that uh um. That Disney has done that, you know. Uh, yeah, I think one of the Disney bosses actually stepped in. Yeah, Robert um, Iger is the one that like uh, mm-hmm. uh, responded to the appeal from from a Hampshire-based uh, hospice trying to secure a viewing of the latest Star Wars film for 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 the fan and his son, um, which is it's unbelievable, and it's one of those things that like you know like um, I think Disney gets the bad rap right now. Uh, from myself as well as being like you know the empire and the dark side and this that, and the other with their uh conglomerate like like uh grabs company grabs and, and so on and so forth but this is one of those things that you know good on them you know i'm sure that they looked at it more like possibly as a publicity stunt i don't know but I it's think, uh, i think it's just goodwill for them it, to it do is it, just goodwill it's, it's it's such a great story it's awesome that that happened so anyway going back to the film fanboys that's basically where we're at you know, um, you know, these friends, they want to do this for their friend as like his dying wish. And and man, like through the entire process, we get so many amazing cameos. Now, let me ask you, what was your favorite cameo? Oh, I think you know what that is. I don't know. There was so many. There, There is only one. <laughs> there is only one. Well, he did kind of have half a scene. Oh, <laughs> okay. Talk us through that cameo. All right, so the cameo that we're talking about, of course, um, if you're a fan of this podcast, you know that I am a huge Darth Maul, Maul, whatever you want to call him, uh, fanboy. He right. he is he's my guy in the Star Wars universe. So of course, as they so these kids don't go the traditional route of 
you know, sick fan trying to watch. Oh yeah, they Star didn't Wars do it. They, they didn't go on Twitter. They no, they didn't go on Twitter. Well, Twitter didn't even exist back Twitter, then. I mean, there one cameo that really blew my mind was the Palm Pilot. <laughs> right. You know, oh my I'm gosh, looking at those. Like oh my gosh, monochrome too. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> you know, so they. They chose not to take that traditional route. They chose to break into Skywalker Ranch and right and um, steal a copy of the film mm-hmm. um, using grappling hooks <laughs> and uh, Millennium Falcon uh, and, Chevy vans and, and <laughs> Captain Kirk's help. Oh my God! <laughs> See, I was gonna say that was my favorite. I'll talk about my favorite cameo in a little bit. So. Okay, so my favorite cameo was of course Darth Maul. He was a, a security guard in the Skywalker Ranch. Um, chasing the kids, I guess is right. that's what you yeah. want to call them and stuff. And um, they were all wearing these Watchmen type, right? Like know, the mirror, the, yeah, the, the, mirror like guy, the mirror guy, right? You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And and of course, you know, you had the reveal of Darth Maul, Ray Park, as a security guard, right? And I think that's where I lost it, right? Yeah. Did exactly. I fall? Off, did I fall off the couch? I came close. You, I know. You definitely you know? came close. I was so. like, I, I was also preparing you for it. So I was like, no, 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 wait, sit, sit, sit. Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> and I knew it was coming. And oh I knew my god! Flip out. Um, and and so, he did his thing too. He pulled yeah. out two collapsible batons and started swirling them around. He did a three sixty flip. It was but just, then that's it. Like I said, half a scene. I, that know? was there. There was there was gold to be mined there. It's 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 a cameo. It uh, should not be a cameo. It should be more than that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't worry, don't worry. Uh, at least your guy is still alive in the universe. <laughs> no, not anymore. No? No, not anymore. Oh, why? Because they killed off the uh, Han Solo? Uh... No, well, not even that. I mean, yeah, I guess technically he is, but remember, Han Solo goes back a number of years. Um, in Rebels, he had his final confrontation on Tatooine with Obi-Wan. Oh, so he is he's he got himself deaded, deaded, you know what I'm saying? So he's he's no longer he got himself perished. He's no longer with us, you know. So you you may still still have have, a chance. I still have hope. Yeah, you still might have a chance. So I want to talk a little bit more about the other cameos now before I get into my favorite cameo. Some of the like notable mentions were Seth Rogen. And Seth Rogen. And Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Rogen has two characters on the screen at the oh, same was time, which great. was amazing. Oh, that was a meta moment if you ever saw yeah, one. Yeah, you know? dude. Oh god. <laughs> uh, you know, Seth Rogen first appears on the screen um, playing a, uh, a a Captain Trekkie, basically. And he was almost unrecognizable. A little bit, yeah, because he had like the hair. You know, like this is this is teeth. this is uh, again. If the movie came out ten years ago and there were it, it was like being held for three, this is a thirteen-year-old film for Seth Rogen. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so he was you know skinny. this is. I mean, he just looked different, and um, he played like king of like the Trekkie nerds, which we all know. The admiral, right? You know what? I'm not. This is this is a geek podcast for all, so I'm not gonna, you know. Uh, Talk crap about uh, some of our Star Trek fans out there. Um, I happen to like Star Trek, though. I, I, I mean, I'm a fan of Star Trek. It's I'm a, a fa- different I'm a fan thing. of the Abrams. Really? Yeah. I, I like. Well, I'm a big fan of Wrath of Khan. I mean, I. I mean, Wrath of Khan. I, I liked it, but at the same time, it's one of those things that like is just. I don't know. Like it's just you do like. T- like I think that like I can enjoy Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I can't love it the way that I love Star Wars. Right. Because when you go into the lore of Trek, it's it's 
a bit bland for me. But it's a different you know I mean? animal because because Star Wars is this big, loud space opera. Star Trek is that a has little a lot bit, of cool factor. Right. Let's just remember Star that Trek Star is, Wars has the cool factor. Right. Star Trek Let's is see. a little bit more nuanced. You know, right. his, yeah. the the main character, he doesn't he doesn't go in guns blazing. He wants to. He wants to well, outmaneuver. I mean, if he's Captain Kirk, yeah, yeah. He wants to outmaneuver. <laughs> he wants to. He wants to outsmart you. That's his goal. You know what I'm yeah, no, I understand. It's, he, it's again. Very, I, mean, I know that like start, the, the, the 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 Trekkers out there. Because yeah, Trekkies are derogatory apparently. Well, Trekkers, well, yeah, the Trekkers. <laughs> the Trekkers out there. Uh, yeah, they're like the chess player versus the exactly being the checkers. I can see that, but you know, have a lot more fun as a Star Wars yeah, guy. But you know. anyway. You know, his cameo was awesome. Uh, Billy D. Williams' cameo was great. What was Uh, his name? uh, Judge Reinhold. (laughs) Right. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And even the guy mentioned it. He was like, don't make fun of his name. name. Um, Carrie Fisher. Which which was a little bit sad. It was sad because she played. Yeah, yeah, when I saw her there, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's Carrie. And, you know. My heart dropped yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it drops you know because saying? she's she's in the film playing a doctor, mm-hmm. and she's being like very wholesome and caring for. Uh, right. Um, uh, what's his name? Actually, I forgot. Uh, the main uh, the main character. I oh um the guy that the, 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 the guy that's uh, patient. The, the cancer patient. I forgot, I forgot his, his name, name too. Yeah. But um he uh you know she she does like like they have like a little moment where you know. He's trying to escape the hospital, and she gives him pills because she knows that she can't stop him. Right. You know? Um, and actually, I think there was even a scene where, like, they, to- they told her, like, please, you got to let us go. Like, you're our only hope, right? <laughs> you know, which is awesome. And um, and what he's, he goes and he tells her, I love you. And, and what says, does she say? I know. <laughs> you know? And Again, that's a sweaty yeah, moment. Exactly. And not, and not only that, but also right. the... Also the uh, if you think about it, even a little bit deeper, I don't know if this was intentional, but in my mind, if you remember earlier in the in, in the film, like when they were arguing about like why they they kissed and stuff like that, and and he yes. says and he says that like oh it, it, like they're about to die, like it's it's just a, a, a kiss for like so good luck things. and this and the other. In this scene, he's running off, he's about to die, and she gives him hope, and he gives her a kiss, plants yeah. a kiss on her before they leave, and I thought that was a beautiful little scene uh in retrospect it's it's one that like i guess i appreciate way more now because of her passing right. than i did 10 years ago mm-hmm. um the character's name by the way that has uh the cancer is linus right linus yeah. linus yeah. um but for me going back to you trekker fans out there <laughs> my biggest and favorite uh cameo that reveal was, awesome. was william shatner's scene because here they are. They have to get, like, basically they're trekking across the... Oh, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> pun not intended. But they're, the, the, the crew is trekking across the country, and they need to, like, find ways to, like, get into Skywalker Ranch, and they somehow come across um, uh, these... Uh, some guy. So, well, some guy that's going to give them all the plans oh, yes, and yes, the entries, yes. all the key cards to, like, get into Skywalker Ranch and this, that, and the other. And... They're told you got to go to Las Vegas. You got to, you know, get to the convention center and just say you're here to see Scruffy Nerf Herder. So they go. They give the keyword. They get brought into a dark room, darkish room. And 
And this is another piece of the movie that I really like where the sound effects because they use oh, they use, they use so the, uh, the the Star Trek warping sound uh, sound effect. And next thing you know, in the dark, you don't see Shatner's face. You just see his silhouette. And he just throws a folder with a bunch of stuff. And you can hear the classic Shatner voice, you know, tell him, there you go. It's all there, you know. And, of course, they're trying, they, they can sense who it is. And they're like, wait a minute. It couldn't be. And then he steps, steps into the light. Yeah. And you just see Shatner. And then they spend time like, like, how did you get these files? And they're like, <laughs> I'm Shatner. I'm Shatner. I can, I can get, get anything. anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's so awesome to me because I do love William Shatner. Um, later in life, after his like kind of career as Kirk, right. um, because of you know who he is and like the orbits commercials and all that. Yeah, stuff. he's larger than life at this point. Yeah, at this point, he's 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 a, obviously a legend. Um, but uh, it's just as awesome to me as a fanboy that the keys to the Skywalker Ranch <laughs> go through Captain Kirk. You know, I think that that's like an awesome like little fanboy tidbit for 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 us star wars fans and the trekker fans you know mm-hmm. it's like yeah like you guys might be cool but you still have to go through us to get there you and know remember I mean? like it's one of those little things that like we're, we're it, it's really awesome you know and the, there's that point when they finally do get into the skywalker ranch and they get caught and so right, um, yeah and so the guy that was interrogating Danny him. McBride. Danny McBride. Danny McBride is in there. Know? Another cameo. Which, by the way, also Craig Robinson is in there. Like, yep. it's, again, this is where we said that, like, you know, it's it's maybe like the beta to Judd Apatow's. Uh, There's so many people. Yeah, in so this many movie. of his like so many people recognizable are, yeah. people. Too, I wonder if he was like a know? producer or something, some we, sort of advisor. We gotta check we gotta that, look out. that up. But he mentions he mentions uh, Shatner also. Yeah, because, do you remember the scene? Yeah, I remember because at that point, um, he's got he's got them all in the room. The, the people that are trying to that right. have broken into the Skywalker right, Ranch, right. he's the head of security, and George Lucas gives him a call. Right. And so yes. the, the kids are going crazy. The guys are going crazy. And he's like, shut up, shut up. I got to talk to him. And he's just going and breaking down. How did you guys get in here? Grappling hook. And so he's telling George Lucas. And then um, he goes and he, he asks the guys. He was like, did you get this from Shatner? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So George Lucas was like, they asked him, like, yeah. was William Shatner involved? And they were <laughs> exactly. like, no, no, no. So they cover for him, which is cool, you know? Yep. Um, He's like, no, Shatner wasn't involved. Shatner wasn't involved. You know, so it's like a little something extra, which is <laughs> awesome. And again, Lucas being an advisor, he was an advisor to this film. Yes, he was. You know, I think that, like, that was probably something that maybe he even added, like, a little bit, you know? Um, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, and I also like how the interaction on the phone call with Danny McBride, I just realized that I wonder if Lucas exactly. <laughs> was doing Jedi mind tricks because the way that he says, like, I've been told that I no longer believe this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told that everything that I believed is now a lie. Yep. And it was that was a running gag with one <laughs> yeah. of the characters. Right, he right, was always right. trying to use Jedi mind yes, tricks on exactly, people. Exactly. You know? Oh, man. So, and tell me, how cool was their van? Oh, their van! I it makes me go want. I've been kind of like looking into van culture and custom vans and stuff like that. But like they have the coolest van. It looks like the eighteen van, but with like on one side it's the uh, the Rebel Alliance logo. It's a black mm-hmm. van with the red Rebel Alliance logo, and then on the other side you have the classic. Um, uh, um, it's a, a, a new hope. Luke. It's the it's the Luke. new hope movie poster with yeah uh, Luke and Leia Luke right holding the lightsaber. Leia at his leg. You know, it's it's that classic poster, and, and it's just so awesome. And that van has R2-D2 on the hood. 
Uh, it has like he operates it just like the Millennium Falcon. Like it has tr- car trouble, so he hits the roof, and then all the <laughs> lights turn back on. It's just it has so many little nuances that you can only appreciate if you're a Star Wars fan. Yep. And I'm curious to see what what that thing is written in Arabesh on on the driver's side. I, we need know. to find out. Yeah, that's true. There has yeah. to there has to be something with that. I, I you mean, know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't I don't think that they would yeah, put they that there. They probably did it. They probably they they didn't ask him on like the nerd stuff for yep. sure. So. so there was an there was another scene involving the van with the cops, which was great. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. Oh. So this, so I mean, listen. If if you love Star Wars, you've got to watch this film. I mean, front. To, so they they start out in Ohio, right? Yeah, yeah. Somewhere they start in Ohio, right? And so, um, what what ends up happening is that one of the, one of the friends, the 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 character played by Sam Huntington, his name is Eric. He decides, okay, he finds out that Linus has mm-hmm, cancer. Right. They've been withholding it from him, right? And so he's like, okay, we have to do this. This is our Death Star. This is our moment. Yes, you yes, know what yes. I'm saying? And so they go on this cross-country trip. There's a point where they stop in, where is, where is that again? Well, no, they, they, they got a flat tire. They had a flat tire. You're talking tire. about like uh, no, the car when they, chasing? No, when they first met um, uh, Seth Rogen's character, they detoured. Oh, yeah, they, they detoured to Iowa they, yes. because they knew that there was going to be a Trek meetup and <laughs> And that that was like the first time that we see Seth Rogen. Yes, yeah. which is great because they get into it and stuff. Yes, you yes. Know? That was a funny, funny scene. Um, and then they they keep going and they end up getting caught by the cops. Yeah, they they were speeding and obviously cops come come along. But then there's a scene in the in in the movie where like they come into possession of like some drugs. Oh, and from the flat so tire, like yeah, yeah, from the flat tire. Mm-hmm. So then like before they you know he was gonna pull over until. You know, Linus says, uh, we can't pull over. I have a pound, bag a of bag of peyote. peyote. <laughs> and so now they're running away from the cops. And this is where, like, this is where, like, the, 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 the character of, of the, the movie's Millennium Falcon comes yep. into play. Because that van is very much a character, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. I, mean? um, I remember before, beforehand, he had said, you do, Hutch, Hutch is the owner of the van. Yes, Which yes. is played by and, Dan And Fogler. the main comic relief, I yes. believe. And he specifically says when all those guys get into the van, do not touch the red button. He specifically says a lot of things about the van. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he said, you know. do not touch the red button. No, no. It's one of the rules, rule number two. Yes. So uh, they're running away the from the, cup, uh, the cops. He's like, break rule number two. They hit the red button, and just like in the Millennium Falcon, it doesn't work. <laughs> so they're switching all the buttons. They're resetting. They're rebooting, just like that scene. Mm-hmm. In, Oh my god, it's it, so good! It even had the sound effects. Exactly, and that's the, the sound thing. Effects it had from the, the sound effects Falcon. of the Millennium Falcon and of the R two D two when they screech away. <laughs> yes. You know, it finally kicks in. Yeah, it finally kicks in. You Nitro hits see, them. You actually see the light trails from this from yes. the from the stars out of their windshield. You hear the whirring from like the R two D two. It's 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 just oh my god, and uh, they crash into a. Uh, 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 <laughs> what was that billboard? It was a billboard of like, like, uh, it was something like, it was like a, a cop thing or like, don't speed or you might get arrested, <laughs> exactly. something like that. They crash into it, and when they crash into it, it breaks off into a perfect uh, Darth, Vader. Darth Vader, and they obviously <laughs> crash. And then when the camera pans to face the billboard, you see the two red lights that form Darth Vader's yes. eyes, and you hear the Darth Vader uh, oh, breathing. It's great! Oh my God! It is it's just great. It's, it's little things like that that make that film. 
so amazing, so great for the fanboy. So yep. um, now getting to the end, he uh, Linus finally gets to watch the movie. He doesn't he doesn't say anything to the guys about the movie. Um, he has a very touching scene with uh, with um, uh, Eric, mm-hmm. and then it kind of breaks away to six months later, essentially, or when, however long it was, uh, to the uh, release of Phantom Menace, and we see them kind of waking up, and they come out of a tent, and just like every real fanboy, they were camping out to watch episode one. Right. Uh, most of them in cosplay. Yep. Like a true fanboy. Mm-hmm. But the one person that we don't see is Linus. So now right. we're told that he's passed. You know, he's no longer there, and they're you know there to enjoy uh, Phantom Menace, and and it was a really awesome scene because it, you can see that like like everybody's kind of together, even Eric's older brother, which he kind of has like a bit of a tiff with. They have like some sort of disconnect, and he says, you know, like the, the wars. Well, it, well, well, Eric is like, oh, I can't believe you're here. He's like, of course, man, it's the wars, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so like everybody's a fanboy at heart. Like if you're a fanboy, you're a fanboy no matter what. Right. You know? Um, and the famous line at the end of the film, uh, (laughs) which is like, they're all excited to see it. And then the film ends with, uh, Eric looking over to the guys and saying, wait, what if the movie sucks? And then it cuts the credits, (laughs) you know, (laughs) which is a nice, funny way to kind of like, um, to 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 poke a little fun to fan Phantom Menace and like the debacle essentially from from the the critical fallout after after uh, episode one came out and all that stuff, uh, but you know it's 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 one of those films that like again like it's it's just it's so like heartwarming because of the story and mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff you know it makes me like Phantom Menace even more, right, so. um. I do want to mention one thing that I noticed, and and it's interesting, especially in the climate that we're in. Um, they frequently had arguments about yes. about specific things regarding Star Wars, and it's interesting to see that back then we didn't have the toxicity that we have now. Back then, you could have an argument with with your friend, and like the argument was right, right, about. Right, right. Um, Leia and Luke, right? Leia and Luke kissing, whether if it was a romantic kiss or if it was benign. It was a fun little argument that they were having, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you can have those arguments nowadays. They didn't really have the internet back then, that's why. I guess that's what it is because it's it's, it's easy to be very uh, inflammatory when you have the internet. Yeah, you're not. You can be behind the keyboard and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's something that that sucks. I mean, I, I personally try to stay away from, you know, uh, you know, there's a sidebar, but I try to stay away from like comments and stuff like that on social media in anything that I watch that, that, that I see. If it's like, you know, one of our posts um, or some of the other social media sites posts, I'll read the post. I'll read kind of like uh, the, the caption, but I'll usually stay away from the comments because it doesn't matter what the post is. These days, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You go into the comments, you're going to see negative stuff. Yeah, it's, it's because it's so easy to be negative online mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate but you know um you know you're right it's a it's a good thing to point out like back then like you know you can have a, yeah. you can have a discussion like you and i have discussions like that all the time about boba fett apparently yeah well you know i well i like to poke fun at you with boba fett you know i'm saying such an easy mark 
But oh my god, <laughs> Boba Fett is not an easy mark. He's the hardest mark. He's Boba Fett. Yeah, because he's dead. But anyway. Oh <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's the type of thing we can have. That yeah, we back can and do forth that. And we, stuff can, and we can. We can. We can. We do that. I don't just... know for how much longer, but we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, it, it was it was refreshing to see that because you know it, these guys, you can tell that you know in the movie they're really sweaty about Star Wars. Yeah. And you can still have that those type of conversations, and then afterwards you're still friends. Afterwards, you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's not, yes. you know, oh well, screw you, this and that, and the whole nine yards. So um, that was one of the things that I found interesting about that movie. Um, yeah, I mean, so one other thing I, I wanted to mention that last scene when they were waiting to get into Star yeah, Wars, yeah. it. it it brought me back to yes, 1999 yes. because I was in a similar line like that. Now, I didn't camp out, but I did wait online for like about two hours or so to right, get in. Right, yes. I mean, because that's kind of how it was back in the day before yeah, you there had was reserve no, seating and exactly. stuff like that. There was like maybe one thing. Actually, not even. I think when the Matrix uh, Revolutions came out, mm-hmm. they started doing reserve seating. And it was like, I remember there was only eight seats at an at an IMAX oh theater, gosh. only eight seats that you could reserve. Yeah, you had to wait yeah, online. You had to wait online, and, and you had to be first online if you wanted to get the, the primo goods. seats. Oh my you god! You know what I'm saying? It would be a rush as soon as they let you in. People would be running. Exactly. And you know, what? I kind of miss those days. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm a little more bougie now. You know, I I like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I like I'm, the I'm fact. I'm nostalgic about some of that stuff. You know, like I you know I personally miss like. You know, not having a cell phone. And it's funny because when I was in high school, I was, like, dying to have a cell phone. I did anything that I yeah. could to have a cell phone. But, like, now I kind of wish. Did you have the beeper? I did have a beeper. I had a StarTac. You know, everybody had a StarTac. Everybody had a StarTac, you know yeah. But I also got my butt whooped by my mom when she found out I had a StarTac. Oh, Because okay. <laughs> I did not tell her I had a StarTac. <laughs> and I was much too young to be having a cell phone. I had nobody to call. And I had, like, a $500 phone. Well, you just say, hey, listen, just in case there's an emergency, right? That's what you needed a StarTac for. <laughs> you want to know what she says? It's like, here's a quarter. Go to the payphone. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. So, you know. so yeah, I mean, so, again, like, I still want to get your score review on the movie for our fans out there. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 8 out of 10. Okay. You know, um, and, and like I said, I, I rarely give a, a movie a perfect score, right. you know. Um, and I just I just bring it down a little bit just because of the production values, but mm-hmm. that I mean I'm really nitpicking at this point. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, there was, like I said, watching that movie brought back so many memories of 1999 and, yeah. and the whole yeah. Phantom yeah. Menace craze. Yeah. I remember seeing the f- the trailer for the first time, and you know it was the the fog, and then all of a sudden you see the Gungans come out and stuff. Yeah. I, I yeah. remember that so vividly. And I remember waiting online. We all brought, brought lightsabers to the place. We were fighting amongst. There was people cosplaying. I see. At that time, I wasn't into cosplay. Um, I'm still not, but my little one is. So you know, I cosplay through him. Right. Right. You know, but I mean, lightsabers. We we waited online, just you know, wailing at each other with the plastic lightsabers <laughs> that you got from Toys R Us and stuff. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? So. That, that, to me, it, it was just one of those things where it's like, not only did I enjoy the film, but it also brought back memories for me. And right. that, to me, is what a film should really do for you. You know what I'm saying? It should evoke emotion. Exactly. And it yeah. did. So I can't... And 
It's Star Wars. Yeah. It, this is a Star Wars film. With Ray Park in this it. Is, this is a Star Wars film. In my opinion, this is this is that like... It's canon. It's canon. <laughs> uh, I feel like this is like, you know, one of those films that if you're a Star Wars fan, you actually have to watch it. Um, from a, a pure like film standpoint, I agree with you. I'll do like an 8 out of 10. Yeah. But I struggle with that number because... I think that it's an absolute 100% must-see if you're a Star Wars oh, fan. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So yeah. generally, I think it's an 8 out of 10 if you're a diehard but Star Wars fan. But it's a must-watch. If you're a diehard Star Wars fan, I think it's a 10 out of 10. Yeah. You know, you, you'll, if you're a real Star Wars fan, then I think that you will absolutely agree that it's a 10 out of 10. You just, you just have to. I don't see how you... And they threw some Indiana Jones stuff in there, yeah, too. Yeah, it's just, I mean, because it's, it's still George Lucas, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's, 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 you know, if you're a fanboy of Star Wars and you're a fanboy of George Lucas, you're a fan of his other stuff, too. I mean, you know, I I, I liked, actually, that scene where, like, Jay Baruchel was saying how, like, um, Harrison Ford is the greatest of actor <laughs> of all time because he played Han Solo, uh, Indiana Jones, and uh, then and the, from uh, and the other from guy Blade said, Runner. "Oh, Deckard from Deckard, Blade Runner." Deckard from Blade Runner yeah. too, and it's like, yeah, I mean, wow, like he's played some serious ring characters. And sci-fi, he is, he is yeah, like one the of man. the top dogs. Yeah, he's, you know? he's the man. Yep. So, all right then. So that is fanboys. Um, if you're a Star Wars fan, go out and watch it. If you if you're not a Star Wars fan, um, find a Star Wars fan and go out and watch yes, it. Absolutely, know? guys. So um, we're going to transition now from Star Wars just for a little bit because while me and Wolfie were talking about fanboys, um, our two other hosts were fanboying about something else. They were actually watching a different show. Guys, first of all, why don't you introduce yourself to our fans? This is AJ. Greetings. What's poppin' puddin'? Uh, Elias here. <laughs> <laughs> so I that see what should you give did you, there. yeah, that should give you a little hint about what they were watching. But if that didn't, if that didn't trigger it, I'm gonna let you know what they were watching. Um, today, well, f- on Friday, DC Universe debuted their first episode of Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. So, um, both me and Wolfie saw. It previous to the podcast recording mm-hmm. and then the kids watched it right afterwards um i think it took wolfie a little bit by surprise when i put oh, it yeah. on you know so my quick take was that like within the first 10 15 seconds my jaw literally dropped off of my face and i started pacing around because i was so confused I'm because of the jarring effect of seeing a <laughs> batman the animated uh, series style show um, starring Harlequin and the rest of the cast dropping f bombs left and right, like pretty, after fifteen seconds. I'm pretty <laughs> sure everybody saw your reaction. I mean, it's it, well, it, like me. I just honestly, well, yeah. yeah. Well, except AJ, AJ wasn't here, but like it was just one of those things. I was like, I did not totally expect that at all. So, um, yep. with that, I do kind of want to hear. AJ and Elias uh, take so let's go around the table real quick. AJ, why don't you give us your quick little review, um, your thoughts on it, your impressions, uh, and then we'll go to Elias. All right. So, if you are of age, you should definitely <laughs> yeah, watch this. If, you should if. know about this. 
because this is a really it's a really bonkers show that just uh, one of the things that I wouldn't say took me aback, but Jim Gordon is so different, but it's not <laughs> bad. It's, <laughs> it's like Jim good. Jim Gordon, the alcoholic, right? <laughs> No, he, he's, the, a, like, he's, he's totally, a coffee maniac. He's well, yeah. stressed he's out. Caffeinated. He's, he's so stressed <laughs> he out. Is he's way he's out there. He might be. He might have to go to Arkham Asylum. <laughs> <laughs> no, no lie, no lie. I'm not just the president. I'm a client. <laughs> yeah, just the whole uh, the way. I really love the part where uh, Poison Ivy is talking to Harley Quinn, and she pulls up the. You know, this used to be you. You were the person that got me through Arkham. You consoled me as a, what is that, as a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And then she starts having a conversation with the picture. <laughs> it's, so, it's so weird. With herself. With herself. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Elias, so what do you well, think? Oh, definitely not for kids. Definitely. Well, depending. Um, Actually, I felt that it was a really good... Definitely not Show? for kids coming from De- a kid? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Not a kid. Uh, a tween, as they put it in the good boys. <laughs> a tween. Okay? So, um... Just a quick disclaimer. I think we all can agree that, like, Elias is a little bit more mature than he lets on and stuff yes, like he that. Is. So, he, he thankfully has been raised with the right kind of mindset when watching things like this. So, if you have a child that you uh, think can handle this just make sure that they are mature and they understand what they're watching um yes that being said continue, continue. Please. yes so i felt that it was very very um funny in 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 the sadistic almost <laughs> i don't realize it doesn't way. Be funny <laughs> yes but it it has it has a dark humor um, definitely very gory, and I can tell you that the amount of curses is, how, how much? I, I want to hear this from everybody. And like In an, an alternate universe where mics were or were not turned off. Yes. <laughs> well, maybe above like 20 F-bombs. <laughs> 20 F-bombs. I would say at least that. Um, Maybe like more. What was jarring was not how many F-bombs, but how some of those F-bombs were used. Yes. Especially when she's yes. describing what Batman oh, yes. has uh, <laughs> Batman. certain experiences with. Batman <laughs> Batman has relations. Yes. Oh, my God. With yeah. a certain it's very, very creative how they use their F-bombs. Let yes. Let me just say that. So. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah, so I felt it was really good. Um, it it didn't. Most of the episode wasn't based off action. I wouldn't say like oh, there maybe was a like a quarter. There were decent, decent but like it wasn't mo- ma- mostly focused on or mainly uh, focused on uh, the action, more yeah, on yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. the problem. Well, that that's the other thing too that I think that like this episode like it kind of it kind of throws you into. Um, like how the show's gonna be. It's it's a lot of comedy. There's a lot of lot of comedy, which yes. is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's real character development in this one episode. We saw Harley Quinn go from like the typical, you know, her typical old self, Joker's pudding, to the Harley Quinn that we know now in Margot Robbie's take in a uh, Suicide Squad. And 
I think that's mm-hmm. what the whole purpose of the show is. Yeah. So. I, I think there's, you know, with all the comedy taken aside from that, there is a deeper a deeper message there. Um, it, it deals with the toxicity of, you know, relationships and, and stuff like that. You know, that's stuff that happens in the real world. Um, and so they have comedy lying on top of it. But if you really strip that away, there's actually a really deep message in there on how difficult it is for people to get away from these type of relationships, you know? Um, right. Yeah. But it's yeah, freaking it's, funny. It's real funny, but actually, you're right about that. It touches on something that's a real serious subject mm-hmm. about people that are involved in, like, you know, abusive relationships that don't, they don't see it, you know, and, like, yeah. it's really hard to kind of convince them and right. for example, get out of it and stuff like that, so. Yeah, for example, they even stated in uh, the actual show when... Uh, they're talking about um, the picture. Mm-hmm. They're talking about um, some. She actually diagnoses herself, right? Yeah, there's this girl who can't get a. She, I guess she fell in love with like some killer, and she even as much as he treats her like badly, she still can't get away from him. I mm-hmm. guess. Yep. So you know she's basically self-diagnosing, and she has that aha moment. Where it's like, oh yeah, she's di- she should be diagnosed with so and so, so and so. Oh wait, you're talking about me. Oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah. And even with that, she still couldn't pull away. You know, right. it, it yeah. had to be that that big. She had to, she had, she had to actually be shown um, without spoiling it. Without spoiling it, yeah, with a vat of acid. Oh, uh, so, which was a crazy scene, and and it's it was a nice, in my opinion. It was a really nice throwback to Batman Forever, you know. So you guys, I think everybody will see what I'm talking about there. AJ what? doesn't. What? I've wait, Batman Forever. Which one was that? The one with uh, Jim Nightwing. Carrey and. I don't it? remember seeing that. one. The Jim Carrey Riddler. Oh man. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face. Like I've heard of it, but I just don't remember the movie. I've Ooh, heard of it okay. too. Well, that, they, it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. I really like Jim Carrey's portrayal I of the Riddler. I think Jim Carrey is amazing as the Riddler. Yeah. I think that he would be amazing as the Joker. Tommy Lee Jones, not so much. Right, I understand that. He was he was kind of phoning that that role in. Yes, from what I've heard. But uh, yeah, Jim Carrey was that's yeah, he was that's, awesome. That's honestly one of Jim Carrey's best roles ever, in my opinion. Yeah. So the movie. Eh. Any scene with Jim Carrey in that movie was great. Yes. That's my thing. My thing. My takeaway from the movie is that everything about Jim Carrey was amazing in that movie. That's another little mini review we just put in. Anyway, so that's <laughs> that's 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 uh that's our little mini review. I think of uh, Harley Quinn, the first episode. Before we get into the next thing, the main topic of uh, the episode, which is uh, the Mandalorian Chapter Four Sanctuary. Uh, Want to bring this one in, Walt? Sure. Why not? Um. This past Friday saw the release of the next chapter in The Mandalorian, The Dadalorian. I I don't know. It's chapter four, and it's called Sanctuary. So I'm going to read the description off of the IMDb database, um, and it's pretty, pretty simple. Are you ready? The Mandalorian teams up with an ex-soldier to protect a village from raiders. That's it. <laughs> I told you it was going to be yeah. short. It, it's you know? What's your personal synopsis of it? Give us a little bit more. So um, 
just to uh, my summary is what you're looking for? Yeah, yeah. Let's okay. give us like an actual summary so that, and then you know we'll review it from there. He escapes Avala Seven, right? That's where they they were. Oh no, he escapes from that planet where the guild was mm-hmm. um, after he rescues the child, and they find sanctuary in a planet Sorgon. If I remember, that's the, the, the planet's name. Yes. And uh, he made mention that the reason they were going to Sorgon was because there was no ports. There was no um, residential areas. It was basically a planet with nothing. There was life. There are people on the planet. But um, it's about as far away from civilization as you can get. And, you know, he takes... Baby Yoda, the child there, he meets up with Cara Dune, which is played by, um, what's, her, what's her name again? Gina Carano. Gina Carano. I'm sorry. Um, and they form a bond, a relationship, and then they help a village out from raiders, just like IMDb said. And certain things happen afterwards. So that's, that's basically the summary of the, the episode. What did you guys think? think of the episode how do, how do you think it flowed with the other past three episodes um personally uh i think that like it it, it didn't necessarily i don't want to say that it didn't flow um but it definitely kind of changed the pace a little bit um because the last three episodes were very like uh suspense and action heavy um whereas this one brought us even and you can kind of tell even with like the uh the uh the soundtrack that was used mm-hmm. and the setting and all that stuff it kind of slowed everything down gave us a little bit more daylight you could say i think yes you know um and uh you know gave us a, a more relaxed look at there was uh, some hope involved there in was this episode involved in this episode you know? yes um but that being said uh I felt like there was a little bit of a larger disconnect than than there should have been, you know. I, I think agree. that it didn't segue right. You know what I mean? Uh, and you made mention that this is uh, problematic because of the the way shows are run, where you have different directors. Right. This particular episode was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who which um, nothing to take away, nothing mm-hmm. against her and stuff like that, but it it uh, it. You know, every director has like their vision. They have like their mark and stuff like that when they right. put into to, to the work that they're doing, um, and it's easy to not to not connect well with like other directors' visions and stuff like that. If you if if you have a completely different approach, now I I, I don't disagree with like getting a different director for every episode as long as the same vision is being being held like the same feel like i felt like this episode didn't feel like the other three it didn't even you know? feel like the same mandalorian that we were watching feel like the same mandalorian you know? because th- some of the decisions that he made in the in this episode i didn't necessarily agree with from uh the character that we've already established learned, you know what i mean like it, it's it's one of those like you know real simple kind of example is uh just like the helmet and the rest of his armor like, all his weapons are his, right? Um, in one scene, Gina Carano, Cara Dune, Gina Carano's uh, character, uh, asks for his, his his gun, and he just gives it away. 
Right. Whereas in Star Wars lore, as far as legends and canon go, I know that it's not canon, but generally in Star Wars lore, a Mandalorian doesn't give his weapon to nobody, even another Mandalorian. It's his weapon. He doesn't relinquish it for nothing. Well, just you just know? even within this series itself, episode one, when he's meeting up right. with the Jawas. Exactly, yeah. He's you know, like, no, this is my weapon. It's part of my religion. I can't exactly. relinquish my weapon. Yet in what? this episode, he freely gives it to her to run off. Who knows what she'll do with it? But it's just part, it's not supposed to happen, you know? And it's kind of one of those things that kind of takes away a little bit of the authenticity. Well, you know? I, I see this I see this episode as a total win. And the reason I say this is I might not be correct. This be but just an usually, opinion, it's all good. Yeah, it's just an opinion. But like usually when you have something slow down slow down, that would necessarily mean that something worse is coming. In in well, my opinion. And you're right about that. My issue isn't with like slowing the pace down. My issue is with the, the, the character the, the, itself. Well, the direction oh. of this particular episode. And the thing with the weapon, um, what I think of that as, as much as I don't like it necessarily, but it kind of shows how the people around him have kind of affected him. I mean, like the child and um. Mm, maybe I could see that. I could see that. Not even that. The Sorry, I don't want to cut you guys off, no, but it's no, all no, good. It's a conversation. Even yeah. look at the circumstances they were in. Like I I and then you also factor in that he's not a true Moo Mandalorian, yeah. so so to speak. And that which was, was which was revealed in this episode also. Yes. Which yeah. we discussed the last episode exactly. on our podcast. Yeah. So circumstances plus that and i think it's not is not the best thing to happen but it's foreseeable no 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 I, I you want to know why because that is not the way oh. <laughs> he's like he's taken on the mantle of the mandalorians and he's been explained this is the way so if this is the way is the way that's it you gotta like follow the way you know and that goes to the actual reveal of him not being a true born mandalorian mm-hmm. well so I have some theories about that because um, I, I'm almost to the point where this particular sect of Mandalorians may not be a, a reflection of what Mandalore and Mandalorian culture is. And so, and I'm gonna no, 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 don't, don't, don't freak out, don't freak out because because <laughs> I'm not freaking out because I'm this, not freaking out. This is I'm not how, freaking out. No, no, because <laughs> listen, 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 because okay. we have in canon, we already have Mandalorians um, established in the Star Wars universe, and it goes back to the animated space with Clone Wars and Rebels, right? We have the Wrens, we have the Vizslas, we have um, Satine, and, and and you know that the Death Watch and stuff like that. In though in that culture, right, they take off their helmets freely, right? There's Sabine for most of Rebels, she has her helmet off, you know, and and so that's canon. Now, with this particular group, and and it's almost it feels like this group is an outsider group, more like a cult, more like a tribe, because even even then there was a, a point in the episode where the the two guys that come to enlist his help mm-hmm. to protect the village, he says, well, I've heard of you guys. I've heard of your tribe, right? right. 
I wonder if this particular tribe has enacted certain rules within their group. I mean, it's possible. I mean, the thing is that, like, uh, it, again, if we go to, like, Legends, uh, the the Mandos were, at one point, like, there were many factions of the Mandos that were very splintered, you know, based on, like, like almost like, you know, like certain aspects of religion today. Like, certain mm-hmm. Mandos were like, well, we need to follow the Mandalore, you know, rules to a T, including never, ever revealing our, our face. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe others didn't. You know, they were a little bit more lenient and stuff like that. Um, so I do believe that, like, there it, there could be some truth to that. But at the same time, uh, I don't know. I don't know how much they're connecting the animated space. Oh, they are. 100%? Because, yeah, because, um, and we had, we had an instance of that um, when he walked into the bar. Did you notice the cat-like animal that, yes, that yeah. snarled? That's a loath cat. Those cats that are is. found in Lafal, which is the home planet of one of the main characters in Rebels. Okay. Ezra Bridger. So they are connecting. They, I mean, and again, Dave Filoni, who is the guy that ran all of the animated stuff, yeah. he's bringing in all these little okay. bits and pieces of lore. So they're connecting all of that stuff. All right. well, so I that's mean, why I find it interesting that this particular group will never take off their helmets. And I wonder if maybe it has something to do with the Purge. I'm not sure. They haven't explained it fully yet. But in, within the same canon, in the animated Rebel show and in the animated Clone Wars, that was never a thing. Now, they had an insane um, connection to the armor, you know, and that armor is passed on generation right. after generation. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned this once before, but Sabine, Sabine Wren's armor in that show is 500 years old. That's not her original armor. It's been passed on. So, you know, but again, they don't make that a point of emphasis where you always have to keep the helmet on. So that's why I'm almost, I'm almost thinking that this is a, a, like a renegade offshoot of of Mandal- I mean, the it Mandalorians. Can be, but, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't see that being the case. And the reason for that, before I let Edgy go, the reason for that is because, I mean, I, I, and I'm talking purely from a. Uh, uh, pragmatic point of view. (laughs) Um, I don't see why they would choose to introduce the Mandalorians to the general masses in this way from the Disney standpoint um, by introducing a a renegade faction of the Mandalorians. Tom? Unless they go in and and there's a bigger story to be told with that. I mean, possibly, but this is still going to be the central focus. This is Mm -hmm. like, this is the flagship Mandalorian story. You yeah, know? I no just I, I, I find it hard that Filoni would would discount all of his yeah. work. Gentlemen, AJ, yeah, AJ, AJ's dying to say something because uh, no, he's I, I, just, I don't, don't, don't want to fan the flames even more, so I won't. I just have go a quick it, question. No, uh, this is I'll listen. I'll give you the flamethrower. You know what? Yeah, fan, fan, fan the flame. flame. Fan the flame. <laughs> you trying to fan this flame? Well, I'm trying to go ahead. Say something. Say something. Because I like how in all of our talk about. Mandalorians and true Mandalorian culture, the Fets were never mentioned. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was just something all that I'm went saying, through my mind. All I'm saying is that if 
this Mandalorian is accepted as a Mandalorian and he's not a true Mandalore, you can no longer use that as an argument for Boba Fett not be considered a Mandalorian. Here's the thing. He was initiated. They weren't. Ooh. Straight burn. Straight burn. What do you mean they weren't initiated? Boba Fett (laughs) was Mandalore. No, he wasn't. Yes, he he wasn't. Boba Fett became... Was Boba Fett crowned Mandalore? Was he not the leader of the Mandalorians? Not in the, I, not no, in the no, no, current no, 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 canon. Not in current canon. Forget not about current Because in current canon, he doesn't exist. But we're all real fans of Star Wars. Okay? But if we're talking about the, what we're watching now, we have to talk in terms of We don't canon. know what they're doing with yeah. Boba Fett yet in the current terms. Okay? So don't give me that. The dead man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but anyway, you know what? so so don't let me go off on a Boba Fett right. Yeah, but the thing about it is that this kid was rescued by the Mandalorians. Yes, he was a foundling. So, right. So they may there may be different, um, there may be a different take when it when it comes to br- bringing someone in, whereas opposed to Boba Fett, who was a clone, they wouldn't. They wouldn't have accepted him, right? I'm, listen, listen. I'm just, I'm just making the argument in canon. I'm not saying anything mm, personal yeah, about Boba Fett. I'm not saying anything either. And Django I'm just Fett. saying that just because he was born a clone doesn't make him like a clone clone. A clone clone? What is that? Well, the difference <laughs> is that the clones aged differently and had different things. And Django Fett specifically said, do not change anything about him. Right. Make him a regular human. Clone. Human, human clone, not Mandalorian, not clone, clone, human clone. So, <laughs> but Bob, but Jango Fett. Um, Even then, he just stole the armor. Yeah, and Jango Fett stole the armor. He was never, he was never embraced by Mandalorians. He wasn't. And Boba stuff. Fett was. We're not going to have this discussion. Yes, yes, we're, we're not. talking about Mandalorian. The fake okay. Mandalorian, Cause we, cause apparently. We all, we all Excuse know. me, this Mandalorian's a fake Mandalorian too. Yeah, no, no, that's who I was oh, talking okay. about. We no, are, we're we talking about faux Mandalorian. Really grinds my gears. <laughs> <laughs> we we all know who's a Mandalorian here. Go on, Elias. Go on. What's your take on uh? So so where are we right now in the episode? I mean, like, so we have, so he's 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 on the planet. He's trying to assimilate. He gets. Uh, you want to talk about the bar scene? The f- introduction of Cara well, yeah, Dune. Let's talk about the introduction of Cara Dune. Yeah. yeah. So, what did you think? So, Cara Dune for me, it was, a, it was. I, I understand, and we talked about this beforehand. Um, I understand that when Mando comes into the place, he's scoping the place out. It was just a little jarring the way that they did it. There was no subtlety involved in there. Mm-hmm. You know, it was basically you're staring at Cara Dune the entire time. You know, if you feel that she's she's there for you, I think there'd be a little bit more subtlety, a little bit more you know stealth involved. Basically, he was screaming out to the the barkeep, "Who is that person?" You know. I mean, this again goes to like my whole thing with like the direction of the film. You know, like I felt yeah. like the actual direction um, kind of they dropped the ball. Like that's not how. He would actually act right. Uh, right, exactly. There's like that. Yeah. There's he's he's a little bit more reserved, and and again we go back to that first episode when he walked into the bar, right? Yeah. To to get um that's the how blue you're guy. supposed to walk into the bar. Exactly. Not how he did it in this one. Exactly. So there's like a disconnect on on who is this guy that we saw in episode four. Yeah. That's not the guy that we were seeing in the first three episodes. This one here is a little bit more, you know. I don't want to say he's like deer in headlights, but you know he's yeah, acting impulsively. Like yeah, 
and he's acting scared almost. You know what I'm saying? Because he's looking around well, and he's. I wouldn't say scared. I would say green. Right. Exactly. Okay. But maybe that's the better point. Even then, he does have a reason to be scared. No, I get it. He's but always needing to look around over his shoulder because, like. But would you do it so obviously? Okay, well, not as obviously. But I mean, look, he sat down. He sat down and like literally was like like looked over her and pointed at her. I was like, "Who's that over there?" Exactly. Yeah, but Andre. Well, all right, there is that. But I guess what I'm trying to what I'm trying to articulate here is that you do irrational things for the people you love. Do you not? Sometimes you don't always think straight. But again, I can I see where you're coming from. That. It's completely out of character for him to say, who's that over there? Exactly. So that was one of the, the problems that I had with that particular scene. Damn it if Baby Yoda isn't, isn't the cutest thing in the world. I mean, you yeah. know, just him walk. I could watch an entire episode of him just walking. Walking around. You know, he's just so around. small. He's just so small. And he's like. I was, I was always afraid somebody was going to step on him. And he's like looking <laughs> you know? around, like just taking in the world. Like, like one of my favorite scenes of this episode is when they were traveling to the town that they're supposed to be protecting and mm-hmm. all that. Um, and you see Baby Yoda like looking up at the stars. And just yeah. kind of taking in the stars, you know, like I, it's one of those like scenes where I was like, you know what, like it, it, it made me feel uh, something when I saw that. So. I got so scared at that uh, during uh, the end of the. Uh, uh, this is, we're, I'm, we're I'm not gonna there. spoil gonna it, but there. I got so scared during yeah, the end of the. Yeah, I episode. feel like they're gonna do that a lot, and I'm gonna get so angry every time they do it. <laughs> so right afterwards, um, Cara Dune leaves, and Mando follows. Follows him, her, and uh, chucks the the Imperial credits or whatever credits to the barkeep and says, "Watch him." You know, that's Chuck the him. other thing too that I have a problem with. That like he, he like he's so protective, he's so protective of him that he's willing to just like, yeah, I'm gonna leave him in a bar. I have the waitress that I just met five seconds ago. Exactly, watching. Like, yeah, and it doesn't make sense. And the waitress didn't really didn't do a good job. Yeah, you know, <laughs> as we see in the next scene, like you know, uh, uh, the Mando goes out he's looking for Cara Dune and she gets the drop on him and I would say she gets the better of him too like yes. in a very MMA-esque kind of choreographed uh, fight scene which again Gina Carano is a uh, former MMA champion um, uh, and gladiator <laughs> and a former gladiator she 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 does kind of get the better of him uh, which in my opinion is kind of uncharacteristic but whatever they end up kind of like uh, uh, simultaneously pointing a, a blaster at each other, and then they hear Baby Yoda <laughs> sipping some bone broth, <laughs> and he's just staring at them like, "Hmm, hello." Uh, so whenever you guys are done, <laughs> I'd like a refill, please. And that's kind of where the fight scene ends, right? What did you guys think of the fight scene? Well, see, here's the thing. I actually, once they explained her character a little more, I can see why he would lose. Also taking into account the fact that he's possibly green. Because if you look at her actual background, she used to be a shock trooper. Yeah. Or the Rebellion. That's... Oh, wait, not for the Empire? No, this is a new class that was introduced in this particular episode. She is a Rebellion shock trooper. Oh, I thought like the the Imperial shock trooper. No, no, no. She she worked for the Rebellion. And so, uh, you know, again, we're looking at um, some economics 
with with this universe, with the fall of the empire, and how you know it, yeah. it's it's rough out there for a bounty hunter, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's rough out there for her because she was she was working with um, the New Republic, I believe, is is what she said, right? And I eventually, eventually, she was she got bored of it because all she's doing was just escorting people and stuff, and she ended up becoming a mercenary because you're missing the action from the war, right? The galactic war. So, um, but she was definitely rebellion, you know. Oh. But again, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying because you know what? She does have the experience of being through the galactic war, fighting, you know, in those battles and stuff yeah, where the Mando kind of seems a little green when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah, when you, you know? when you have a lot of experience, especially in, like, wars and fights, for a couple of years, uh, you'll definitely be pretty good at, like, your combat skills and technique. But something that was a little bit iffy for me was the fact that even though she's skilled, um, the Mandalorian... He's been raised by uh, fighters basically all his life, and he just lost to a person who's only been doing it for not as long as him, basically. We don't know the full extent but, yeah, of that. Yeah, but you... And, and a person that is and that's more than capable of punching Beskar's steel. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, and not stopping. <laughs> Yeah, that, I, I found that pretty nuts, too. Well, true, but... Like, like she had punched him right in the helmet. Yep. Well, true, but I, I feel like um, the Mandalorian could have put up more of a fight, especially since he's supposed to be a skilled Mandalorian. It's in the name. But, but here's where I think the disconnect is. No matter what the training is, at best what he was doing, it was sparring. He well, wasn't going for the kill. He wasn't going for the kill, but... But this lady, like you guys said, has been warbound. She goes in for the kill. Okay, and... And I, I'm not saying anything against training or stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying there's something of a disconnect between training for it and doing it. And and I guess um, the fact that she caught him by surprise, the element of surprise kind of like... Knocked him off yeah. because, like, when you when you get a surpri- su- surprised, you're it's not. Disoriented. Yeah, you're. It's confusing. So. So um, so now so now like after what did you guys think of like, kind of uh. I'm gonna kill you. Let's be friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did you think of that whole like dynamic? And and that like that comes in like two parts, right? Like. First off, what did you guys think of, like, uh, Cara Dune going from, like, I'm going to kill you to now let's kind of be partners in crime? Um, and then the second part of that is what did you guys feel about the timing and pacing of the show? Because I felt that there was a poor job done with explaining how much time is going by. For me, it felt like only a couple days went by. But by the end of the, uh, the show, apparently weeks and months have gone by. I'm sorry, Real. weeks and months? Yeah, yeah because at There's the very end, jump. the last scene, one of the last scenes, Kara goes like, it's been six weeks. Or no, it was uh, Mando. The Mando goes like, it's been six weeks. It's time that we should head out. Mm-hmm. Damn. Oh. 
Wow. It didn't feel like it's been a couple months, right? It felt like a couple of days. Exactly. So that's my, one of my things. How did you guys feel about like the relationship, the character building, I guess, and, well, and all that? I think as far as the character building is concerned, them stopping uh, when the when uh, the child comes in makes sense because if because the the whole thing behind their encounter is that she thought Mando had a fob on her. And Mando thought she had a fob for the kid. So once she sees that Mando is diverting his attention completely to the kid, I think that's kind of like, oh, well, maybe he's not here for me if he's stopping our battle to look at some kid. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe there you, you can loosen up a little bit at least. Yeah. And that's where they have the conversation, the relationship builds. For me, that part kind of made sense. Okay. To completely be friendly, like, I would have suspected a little more, uh, not, sus- uh, not suspicion, well, mm-hmm. what's, you know, kind of like, a, oh, okay, so, we're good now, but let's, you know, well, I don't I mean, know you, you I, don't know me, let's, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen it before, but I feel like it's, it's, it's a very weird concept, but I feel that, um, they weren't necessarily trying to hurt each other. They just they just wanted to, like, self-defense. As in, like, when you see somebody sneaking up on you, uh, you the first thing you do is obviously, if they look suspicious, you're obviously going to try and protect yourself. So I'm, so basically what I'm trying to say is when, when you're holding somebody in a good position, that's necessarily the time that you, you see in that, um, you stop fighting, and since they were both in that position, I mean, it's as, as, I guess, ironic as it seemed, because I've seen this so many times, it, it makes sense. So, to, to get back to the time shift, and I think, yeah, I think that maybe there were, there was a way that they were trying to show without saying it. Because shortly after that, we get the scene where the two villages realize that there's a Mandalorian in town, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. And they go out to try and enlist his help. And at first he says no, but then, you know, he realizes that they have shelter. They're in the middle of nowhere. So he's like, okay, you know what? Maybe I'll help these guys and we can kind of hide out there also. Um, He does get Cara Dune to come back to help him. And... um, they, she has the idea of training up the villagers. Right. Well, actually, the villagers really push the the. Hey, we'll fight. We'll do whatever yeah, and they, stuff. Yeah, they, they want to like after they find so so backtracking a little bit after they find out uh, what they were up against. Right, Caradun and uh, the Mando. Those raiders uh, called the Clatu. Clatatonians, Clatatonians. I've never heard of them. No, they're they're new they're to new, this. Yeah. yeah. So, but they have an Imperial Walker. Oh, yeah. When they that find out that they have an Imperial Walker, yeah. they're like, "Whoa, chill. That's not um, what you hired us yeah, for." Yeah, they're out. So they try to explain to the uh, the crowd that like, "Yeah, this isn't what we signed up for." And you guys basically, I like how the Mando put it is like, "All right, guys. So this is our report. You can't live here anymore." <laughs> you know. Um, so anyway, they kind of go off on that, and and but the villagers, they're like, no, we're gonna stay and fight. And you know, uh, to to Mando's credit, he he decides, you know what, we can train them. You mm-hmm. know? But here's my issue with that: 
are we to believe that they were able to train them in essentially what it seemed like one day? Right, and so I think that's where I was, I was getting at, where they were trying to show the passage of time with that training, but they did it poorly. I think it was a very poor way of doing it because you didn't get the sense that they were there for very long. It felt like I a mean, day. They, no, you know it, what I'm see, saying? That's a, it felt like a day because it's it what did. it looked like. You know, they had right. they did they did three training montages. Mm-hmm. The first training montage was shooting at the pens, everyone missing, right? But it was just panning in one line. You didn't see like them finish the line. Then it went to like showing them how to use uh, essentially branches to stab their yes. uh, enemies with and then it went back to the shooting the second half of the line where you see um, Om- uh, Omera I think Omera, is that yeah, character o- Omera like having perfect aim and way and too like perfect 100% con- uh, like you know uh, connection rate with the uh, the pan and whatnot and then that's it and then and we see no no uh, weather changing or anything right. like that we just see the the next scene is the Mando telling Omera it's about to be night, nightfall, and we're going to head out. That's it. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think that was meant to show the passage of time. I think it was yeah, done extremely it was poorly. poorly you yeah. know, Because yeah. it really yeah. did feel to me, it felt like, wait a minute, these guys learned how to defeat their enemy in half a day. That's some great training right there. Right. So My only refute to that, the Ewoks had absolutely no training. <laughs> But Ewoks were gorillas. Yeah, Ewoks were already... They, 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 they had they were, that gorilla yeah, warfare already. They were so. already warriors. We're talking about farmers that didn't even know how to hold a stick. Widget oh, was well, a warrior. That's true. Like, literally, one of the guys was holding the wrong end of the stick. Yeah, the exactly. I know. I saw you know? that. And none of them were hitting anything on the pans with the blasters, except for Omero, which leads to hmm. kind of some questions, because hmm. she seems to know about the Mando culture. She has 100% accuracy. Um, she's ready to fight. Fearless. Fearless. Completely fearless. You know what I mean? I have a theory that she may have been a Mandalorian. This is the way. Yeah. You know, she the know, that's the thing. She knows the way. Mm-hmm. You know, without any kind of, um, uh, um, I guess, mention or anything like that. And well, Elias is shaking his head and everything. But, no. But real quick, before I let you, you know, my thing is that in one of the first private conversations that she had with the Mando, without any kind of provocation, she just asked, so, when's the last time you took off your helmet? He says, yesterday. She said, no, I mean in front of someone else. As if she knew about this whole thing, you know, mm-hmm. about, like, this this whole, like, ritual thing with the helmet and so on and so forth, you know? Well, I mean, it's not... It's not every day that you come across somebody who knows a lot about the Mandalorian cu- culture... But there are some people who aren't necess- aren't necessarily aren't necessarily blocked from I mean, I guess knowledge on the Mandalorians. Right. But I guess it's kinda like the general knowledge and of that's, the Jedi. that's true, that's true, but that's true. Sorry to cut you off, but that's true, but how many of them are farmers with a hundred percent accuracy rate on blasters? The only person in the entire farm she, that has shot guns before. Okay. First things first, she might have been something else other than a Mandalorian. The one of sure. my reasons is that when the Mandalorian goes and says this is the way, she does not repeat it at all. Which is something that you would necessarily do. But that But she's not, not a Mandalorian that anymore. That could also mean yeah, but 
Still, imagine if she's an imperial. It didn't seem like she. No stormtrooper has that good a. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> true. Yeah, that's true. She could have been a shock true. trooper. Yeah. Maybe if it was Obi Wan stormtroopers, but. <laughs> so there's some mystery with that character. Yeah. Most definitely. I, I, I can see. Definitely I, I can agree with you that she could. She definitely was some someone else. And yes. I don't think that this is the last time that we see her because they did cast a like she had a. I think, in my opinion. The best performance of the show. Well, she was yeah. on West. She was on Westworld, so she's she's pretty known yes, yes. character. I, right. I don't think you would put her in a role like that for right. just one episode. Exactly. So you know. Um, but yeah, so that's 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 my thing. She definitely did something. The reason I feel like maybe she was a Mandalorian is because she's the one explaining to him what it seems like she did mm-hmm. towards the end of the film after the big battle. Which, by the way, well, we're going to talk about the Imperial Walker in a moment, which was an awesome scene. Yeah. But at, at the end, um, after the battle and everything, she's telling him, you can, you can take all this off. You can have a good life here. And you can put this away if you ever truly need it, you know? Which is probably something she may have That's done previously. That's what I'm saying. It, fe- it feels like it's something. She didn't, like, make it a suggestion as, like, you can see it, like, in her eyes that it's something that she knows that he would have to struggle with. And again, you know, a, another way of showing the passage of time that was done poorly because you can tell that there was some sort of connection between right, the two. Right. You don't get that in a couple of days, right? Which also, by the way, this goes, you know, um, to, to credit to, to our Manda, Mandalorian actor who's who's amazing at what he does because he conveyed, he basically, he created an online, really, I mean, an online, an on-screen love interest with no facial emotion. He was able to convey, like, real emotion for this uh, widow without ever showing his face. That's amazing. And and just that that scene that you, you referenced to before where she reached out to take the helmet off, and there was that moment where... He didn't he stop her. It. Yeah, he didn't stop her. It he was coming stop off, her. and then he stopped. Her. Right. It, it literally took him a while, and he, he, you could tell without even seeing his face that that was something that at that moment in time he was actually considering. He was struggling with it. Right. But here's my thing. Look at her face as she's doing it. She knows the struggle, and that's why I feel like maybe she was a Mandalorian. Because if she wasn't, then she would have had the reaction like Cara Dune, like, and well, she would have t- she would have taken it off immediately. Well, yeah. Well, think about Cara Dune, how she reacted. She's like, "Well, why can't you take that thing off again?" That's how a normal person would probably. Act. And she's a warrior. She yeah. she probably yeah. fought lo- fought alongside a couple of Mandalorians yeah. in some in some way, shape, or form, yeah. or at least was on the opposite side and whatnot. She would have even better knowledge of yeah, that exactly. than just a farmer. Yeah, exactly. And that's, uh-huh. that's why I feel like I lean more towards the, the idea that she may have been a past man, though. I'd also like to argue, you know, I kind of like, I was laughing, haha, at first, but I wouldn't see past the idea that maybe she was an Imperial. Because if you think about it, maybe it's not as religious, but Imperial stormtroopers have a very simil- similar culture regarding their I armor. Mean, you almost never see them taking it off. They're always wearing their helmets. Just look at Force Awakens. Well, Exa- I mean, exactly. That that that's true. Uh, again, the blaster accuracy, though. Yeah, right. I know, but maybe she was exceptionally skilled. De- Death Trooper. That that that'd be awesome. She was the exception. Maybe. 
But the thing is, especially since the Imperial lost, there are there are necessarily going to be some stormtroopers that are trying to lay low. The, like not stormtroopers, like skilled ones, because like yeah, let's look at it. Now. Yeah, like yeah, you're considered a criminal. You would obviously yeah, lay low, that's true, especially yeah. if you're in a planet that's considered as nothing. Yeah, I mean, like she may have gone to that village the same reason that the, the Mando went to the and village. I see th- that's that article that you you were showing me before, um, where. <laughs> There may be factions of Mandalorians that were tied to the Empire, you know. Yeah, that well, could so, be so, another so like reason. Yeah, so like yeah. a, a callback, a callback to the. Uh, I mean, there definitely. I think that there were Mandos that that were tied to the Empire, but a callback to the first episode too, where he is not a fan of the Empire either. Mm-hmm. So maybe he, maybe was on the Rebel Alliance side too. You know. Yeah. So there's a lot of questions yeah, that come out of, of this there's episode. There's a lot of tidbits that we're getting. So. Yeah. And in rebuttal to there not being specialized stormtroopers, uh, Battlefront 2. I forget what her name is. It, uh, Aiden. Oh, Aiden, Aiden Bursa. Bursio. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, she was part of What was the name Canon of Canon 2. Yes, definitely Canon. Actually, the, um, the uh, compass from that, from that video game ended up in Last Jedi. So, you know, that that's also canon. But she was part of, I forgot what the name of her group was. Inferno Squad. Yes. Inferno, yes. yes. Inferno Squad. Yeah. yeah. Um, listen, you have you have the, the ARC troopers from Clone Wars who were specialized stormtroopers that were much better. Well, they well, were that clone was troopers. Clone right. But I'm pretty sure they transitioned into either the death trooper. Well, I mean. You know. Things of that nature. I mean, basically, there's there's, there's always. precedent. I, yeah. I do understand that there is precedent. The um, the rank and file stormtrooper sucks. Obviously, <laughs> I, I I just I just like the angle of her being a former Mandalorian because this is so much about no. the culture of Mandalorian. I think I think I, for the you know, story, think, it's yeah, it like, serves. For the story, it. I think it would be better if she was. If she's not, I mean, it remains to be seen what her backstory is, and it's and if we're gonna get any back more backstory, but. This um, it can go either way. I would prefer her to be a, a Mandalorian because it, it. we know so far X amount of Mandalorians as they are in their culture. We don't know if they leave. It's it's definitely not something that can be solved in one episode. Yeah, yeah no, of course. Of because, course. well, to put it in... We're um, right now, right? We're halfway yeah, through we're the halfway season because we got four more. We, yeah, really? we got four more. Episodes. What? We got four more episodes. Damn. Four more of these under forty-minute episodes. Yeah, I know. So let's get to the end. So, so we have a battle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they finally trained up these uh, these, uh, these warriors. In one day. Yeah, we've had we had a couple of gripes about the battle scene right, itself. Yeah. Um, we finally do get to see, so they they make a plan where they're going to get these Clatutonians, I think that's what they're called. Clatunians. Clatunians or something like that, yeah. right? And they're going to Mando and Kara are going to kind of provoke them, provoke them, so that they can get the the ATST in, into play, right? Um, so that does happen, and we get this whole little Jurassic World type scene, where all of a sudden you have this monstrous hulking machine crashing through the forest. Yeah, and all you... And with the red eyes. and All yeah, you see is the red eyes. It was, it, it was like a custom one. It was all it. black. 
well, with red eyes. With the, the, oh. the red eyes you would use normally because I think they, the, the reason that they do that is, especially in military, I believe they do that, um, it's easier to see at night when you're in, in that type of lighting. So, you know, that's... That's what right. I believe I read somewhere and stuff like that. But Red Dot. visually, it was striking. Red Dot. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was, singing this, singing this, yeah, hulking really thing, was. breaking and crashing through the forest, running after them and stuff. Um, we get to the fight scene, the main battle scene, right at the village. And I know Wolfie, Gabe, you had a couple of gripes I had a with that. A couple of gripes, you know. So here, here's some of the gripes that I had. Right. So like, you have the villagers who are. Uh, hiding behind like makeshift barricades or whatever and you see one scene where like some of the villagers they're popping their head out and Cardoon's like get down get down get down and then you go back to the imperial walker then you see another batch of uh, of the villagers where they're just standing straight up looking directly into the <laughs> spotlight <beam. laughs> right not told to get down okay that's fine but guess what happens to them nothing because the Imperial exactly. Walker that has a spotlight directly on them doesn't shoot them and instead shoots however like football fields yeah. away behind them. Exactly. I think yeah. there's something to that. Maybe so, the gun was rusted. <laughs> one, it's a blaster. <laughs> so from what I understand of their relationship, the Clatoonians are freeloaders. They have no specialties except to bash your brains out. They don't know the intricacies of mining or, per se, catching this this shrill, the, the krill. Yes. Why would you want there to be less and less able-bodied people to get the krill that these guys are getting for you? The whole point, I you're, think... You're saying they're trying to intimidate them. Yes, and I... That's kind of why I liked the way the ATAT thing. I saw that more as like an intimidation tactic. Mm, I don't. I, I don't know because uh, the 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 episode started with them basically raiding the town and killing whoever they could get to, until the villagers, the the farmers, fled the town and they just took the krill. Yeah, maybe. Either oh, way, it I could be krill. It, it could be just a matter of dates. They have this ATST. And they really haven't mastered it yet. Yeah, I mean, but maybe I think, I think controlling and be able to like maneuver through a forest is a lot harder than pointing and shooting. Well, all he all he was doing was just running over trees and stuff. And you going know? and going back so, to what you said on how it's blaster. Maybe they have some stormtrooper tr- blood in that. I don't know. I mean, I, I like I feel like I think you're stretching here. I think this was like an well, obvious mistake. Yeah. From the director point of view, like if you're gonna ha- like they had the spotlight on them so that they can show their faces in the camera. But obviously they couldn't kill them off because these happen to be the main farmers that went to go get the Mando. Yeah. So well, they wanted to start the battle somehow. This is, I think, the wrong way to start it. Well, the the blaster thing and how you said it might be busted, it's it's not a bad theory because, remember, yeah. you're coming, you're no. trying to hide something. It's imperial. You're tr- you can't. It it's could not be something damaged also. You know, I mean, yeah. you, you look not exactly. Look it wasn't. It was. It was. It wasn't damaged when they were chasing the Mandos and uh, uh, Mando and uh, Cara Dune, and they were and they were they were landing the blasters wrong. It's, it's just no, just no, 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 like I, I just yeah, think yeah, that like yeah. it's not in the realm of, po- of plausibility. No, well, it's just I, it's just like I, that. Um, the missile in a uh, cod, the illegal one. Mm-hmm. What's it called? Which one? It, it like vaporizes you once the it. Phosphorus. The white phosphorus. Phosphorus. Yeah, the white phosphorus. phosphorus. It's. Will it pee? It's very much like that because it 
the ATST, it's basically, it's not something you can. That's yeah, a game changer. You're supposed to hide it. It's dangerous. Especially not for them. They, the well, way they look at it is they're, they're going up against farmers. They're not trying to hide anything. It's dangerous. I mean, it's really dangerous. It's dangerous from society because it's but considered dangerous as in, in terms of it's an imperial war, <laughs> war wager, basically. It can destroy a lot. I have a right, refutation to that, though. I don't know how immersed they were in the intergalactic conflict, but I think that everyone <coughs> chose to come to this planet for a reason. No... There are no ports, so who cares if someone smuggles an ATST here? And then, furthermore, these people can't defend themselves. Well, exactly. Hell, That's of course, what I'm there, there's yeah. still some sort of government there. Not, not really. really. It doesn't seem like it. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, it's not that. This the is whole a very reason, underdeveloped world. Yeah. yeah. Which was something that the Mandalorian kind of liked. Of yeah. Yeah. He, ex- he exploited it, it for that yeah, reason. Exactly. But but even then, I I just I just think that we're explaining we're trying to explain things that I think were very obvious directorial issues. No, I I that's where I beg to differ though. I I I can kind of see that though. You can see them missing. They're not trying to miss though. They were. It was intimidation tactics. So then, why would they like lunge at them and like? When the battle started, they went and did a like a, a, a person-to-person battle to try to like, beat them down. The the way I saw that was that okay, hey, they're they're obviously organized now. Hey, you scope out how many of them there are, and then once they got that, okay, let's try to break it up. We got to keep these people under our thumb. I don't know. So We're they not should. trying. So to the thing kill is, all see, but see, here's the thing. If that would have been the intention, then they would have had to show at least something about that, not mm-hmm. make it something where it's impl- you can't imply that. It's not something that you can just imply. That's something that we're trying that that I think, you know, that if anybody wants to use that as the 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 reason this, something like this happened with the with the walker completely missing what they have their spotlight on, um, then they would have had to show that they have that implication. Like, maybe, like, you know, somebody in the Imperial Walker, like, shoot past them and send a warning or speak through the mic or something like that. You know what I mean? It didn't happen. The other things that I had with the the, the issue with the battle scenes, again, you have these veteran warriors that have, you know, blunt and bladed objects, right, uh, taking on these farmers with essentially busted pitchforks or, like, you know, yeah. carved sticks. They're not even straight spears. They're basically curved branches with sharpened edges, and not a single one of the farmers died. Number one, I didn't see a single farmer get get a. That's good training. Right, amazing training. training. Absolutely, (laughs) you know. Second thing that I had, the issue that I had was again with the Mandalorian giving up his weapon. Yeah, it's just it's not something that. That does, and I think that the reason they did that is because they wanted to show Cara Dune kind of taking charge and putting her life on the line and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think that in reality, it would have been the Mandal that, that would have gone in there and like cover me. Then he would have gone in, use his blaster, force the. Uh, she came up with the plan. He finished it. You know that kind it's of thing. The, it's the I mean. inconsistency of the characters There's, in this exactly. episode. That's the issue know. that I had, and and that comes from a director's point of view it's like all right in this battle this is what i want you to do and this is what i want you to do 
with no explanation. And, and it's one of those things that, like, maybe in the moment they're like, all right, cool, yeah, let's do this. But nobody thought about, like, oh, wait a minute. Is he supposed to give up his weapon? You know, are they supposed to stand directly looking at the spotlight? You know, even though they're supposed to be hiding? Those are the issues that I have. Yeah. Why would the farmer be standing not covered up, completely standing and staring at the spotlight when what they're supposed to be doing is hiding? I mean, I want to, okay. I can like, see how do you that. explain that? I would explain that issue. as... <laughs> was he in shock? I would say maybe. Was it Was it one of these things where it's like literally a deer, deer headlights. calling headlights? Like you're, you're seeing well, this I don't massive think so. thing and you're see, like... I, I don't think uh, so. I think, yeah. I think it's a very simple explanation that like... Yeah, how often do the farmers really see an ATST yeah, in its full and, glory? And going oh, back to... Well, they've like, seen it at some point because they know about it. And going back so. to like how... Oh, that, okay, that's true. How deserted the planet is and how m- there's really They're nothing isolated. left. There's nothing left to... There's nothing really to fear there. It's Since it's deserted... It's it's kind of peaceful except for like the hunger and everything, and maybe like problems like that. But like otherwise, it's peaceful. You wouldn't necessarily. Yeah, no, this is definitely like absolutely like this is something that's more of a a shocking thing. Yeah. But this isn't the first time that they've been attacked by the Imperial Walker. They've been training specifically for this, and they were in cover. They just happened to not be in cover. Yeah, but you could <laughs> you could be trained for like six months and you still be scared. It's happened before. It's you, you, but then how come they, they didn't, didn't die? Then? That's that's it. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, I think that again, like, I think that this is one of those things that, like, you know, it, I think it's a mistake that was made that can't be really explained. You can't explain defended. it, you, you can't explain can't. it away. You know, my you know. thing is that, like, I like the decision behind that, I think, is well, we want to show these farmers looking into we want to be able to see their faces and stuff like this. Well, well, let's have a spotlight that's coming from the Imperial Walker at them. So that they come out in the camera because it's a nighttime shot, right? But no, like it's one of those things that again, like from a director standpoint, nobody else, nobody asks. Well, like, well, if the Imperial Walker can see them, why wouldn't he shoot them? Because that would have to be explained. Even if it's because they just wanted to warn them, they should have explained it. So it's some of those issues that I have with the episode where I feel like it happens, you know, more often than not. Like going back to to the Mando leaving the. Leaving this child in a bar with a random person. Here, take care of him. Oh, yeah. He has that. yet to understand who's in that bar if there's other bounty hunters because he still has to figure out, like, what the the, the whole thing is. But, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and leave him in there, you know, and hope that no other bounty hunter just shoots him dead for the bounty. You know, little things like that. And that's why I feel like it's more of a, di- a directorial mistake than an implied decision. You know what I mean? Simply because if you make one mistake, then all the other mistakes are easy to see. Yeah. So, so eventually they, they do take down this ATST um, in spectacular fashion, right? Yeah. That thing, that thing blows it's up. It's deeper than it looks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's, it's a little weird, but I guess it works, you know? Um, I, I love how they say, well, you can't take down an ATST. Uh, the Ewoks did it. So yeah, uh, 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 that's the Their one gorilla. thing I said throughout the episode. No, no, I know, but I'm just saying, you know, she Cara Dune was like, you can't take it down. It's been done before. Right. So yeah. Um. So let's get past this. We already got past the scene, and you know, now the villagers are happy. Everything's hunky dory. You know, she's taking off the helmet. Yeah. Um. 
Baby Yoda's playing with the kids. He's found the place that he can possibly live in. And then we get then we get that next we have a scope on Baby Yoda. Yes. There's a little red oh, outside. Wait. What? Exactly. Somebody else gets to drop on Mando again. You know. Which isn't supposed to happen. Right. And it's a it's a it's a bounty hunter we've seen before. I don't know. I don't remember the, what alien species he is, but he's the guy with the what snout. What? You know what I'm saying? Um, we saw him in Empire Strikes Back, didn't we? Uh, no, or that would have been was New that Hope. New Hope. Oh yes, yes, because they that was that's a spy. when they when they got out of uh, most most icely, right? W- really quickly. So it's that species. I don't know what that species is. Um, so somebody's about to kill Baby Yoda, and Cara Dune comes and saves the day because she just happens to be patrolling that particular area right. and shoots the guy in the back before. Um, shoots a sniper in the back, someone that was in that was in the woods under camouflage. Yes. She happened to see him from like however far away, and like oh, I'm gonna sneak up on the sniper and kill him. But she does, she saving does. the day. Yes, you know, and forcing Mando to. Collect baby Yoda and decide, you know what? We so, gots to go. So I gotta ask a question. How exactly do fobs work in this in this series? Is is it is it that there's a chip embedded in Yoda? Is it DNA? I, I'm I'm and trying maybe to figure I, out I think it has something to do with DNA. It's gotta be, you know what I mean? Because so. they they fi- they seem to find it. so in essence, everywhere they go, they're going to encounter somebody what? going after them what? because this fob thing can find them anywhere. Right. You know? I, I have a feeling that so they, like, take it at the source. they might have put like a tracking device on Baby Yoda because well, it's it's possible because no I agree <clears throat> but then because but that is kind of hard actually because like we're talking about like traveling different planets right that's what I'm saying like, how in the world to, does like, this he work the, he had the key fob I mean he had the, the like in the in the first couple episodes he had a fob but he still had to like figure find out. out where he was before the fob would actually work. I'm just a little. I I don't well, know how I'm, fobs work in this talking, universe right now. I'm not necessarily talking about the fobs. I'm talking like actually putting a tracking device on Yoda well, because. Well, then Mando should should have known that, right? Okay. There, there was a there was a part back uh, when he was rescuing Baby Yoda where he was in inside some sort of lab. It it's when you have a test subject. You're obviously gonna put a tracking device in it, unless you're like that. But you know, didn't the guy like, say that he didn't let them touch him? Hmm? Who? The 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 doctor. Doctor Pershing. Yeah, he said they didn't but let him touch. They didn't it, let them touch him. It it doesn't have to be the doctor. It could you, be somebody else. But, but he was the one overseeing that project just, specifically. It's just an opinion. Oh, but, then, oh, okay. but, but if there's a tracking device, then what would you need a, a, a fob for? Here's, a fob is just necessarily, it's just to um, put like a bounty on somebody's head. It's basically the I mean, John Wick thing. I mean, I, I can see like a track. A I can I Bluetooth can see tracker. I can see a tracking device being on the ship. You know, I mean, uh, um, what's his name? Um, uh, but the ship. Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. He he was on the ship. Maybe he put a tracking device on it. True. You know, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff that's plausible. Hey, there, Mando. Regardless. What, what are you doing? You should you should know that. You could possibly have a tracking device on your thing they're, they're, when they're, you check again, it out. They're, they're like, they're like, kind of in this episode. I feel like they, they kind of um, took away from like Mando's 
badassery, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, someone that's as good as he is, that has the reputation that precedes him and makes him so, so expensive, you know, best bounty hunter in the region, you know, and this, that, and the other, getting the drop on him twice, not being followed over there, things like that. Like, it just doesn't seem like... And the characteristic and of that. inconsistency. Yeah, I can, I can see out, that. out of character for a man of your <laughs> reputation. <exactly. laughs> We're going to be quoting him all season, aren't he's, we? He's awesome. I hope this we haven't seen the last of him. Yep. So, anyway, so. so Kara goes on her separate way, and Mando and Baby Yoda are off on more adventures. Yep. And yeah. So I'm, I'm personally excited for episode five. Because episode five is going to be not only written, but also directed by Dave Filoni. And so the first episode was directed by Filoni, but written by Favreau. This one, you get double dose of Filoni. All, all the episodes have been written by Favreau, right? So far. Yeah, so far. So far. So. Yeah. So, so the next two, episode five and episode six, were, are the only ones this season that Favreau did not write. And then the last two, he's going to write and and Direct. so no, actually, the next for the next four episodes, Filoni is going to be uh, directing episode five. We're going back to Rick Fumiyama for episode six. We're going back to Deborah Chow mm -hmm. for episode seven, and episode eight. Taiko Atiti's taking that that one. No, nice. so that's gonna be really interesting. Really? You know, Yo. So there's there's stuff to look forward to, and and hopefully we'll get back on track. I think this episode kind of kind of got away from the I mean, director look, in this I, I one. I know that I have like a lot of gripes and stuff like that. I still love the episode. I saw it twice. I'm gonna probably see it again. Thankfully, the episodes, thankfully, I mean, double-edged sword, right? The episodes are a little bit shorter, so it's easier to consume, mm -hmm. but it just leaves me wanting more. I think this is one of the, those episodes that should have been an hour long. Maybe, because you, it, know, you could have had more, more, more exposition, like, yeah. more, yeah. more of a so, build-up, more explanations yeah. and things um, like that. But, not, like, I think this is still, like... It's not a, a bad I think, episode. I think it's still a great yeah. episode. Yeah. I just think that, like, compared to the first three, the first three being so phenomenal... That it just you know it's easier to see the missteps in my right. from my point of view. There there is you definitely know? a dip in in quality and consistency with this right. episode. Um, it's still a good episode. Yeah. It's just not as great as the first right, three right, have right, been. Right, right, right. So, alrighty then. So I think we're gonna wrap this up. We've we've really talked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> about stuff today. Yeah. So hopefully you guys all enjoy the uh, conversation that we've had. Yeah. And we'll we'll see you guys next week. Next week, um, I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about, but I'm pretty sure we'll talk more Mandalorian next week. <laughs> right. You know, um, there'll be that new episode, and I'm going to geek out about that because, like I said, Filoni is writing and directing it, so I'm expecting a super phenomenal episode. Um, but anyway, let's wrap this up. My name is Walt. This is Wolfie. AJ bidding the adieu. Supreme Boy Eli. I know it's kind of an, an ironic name, but it's still pretty good. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.